Good morning. That was a bit deafening, wasn't it? Good morning. It's really good to be here with you. Thank you for the, uh, for the very generous welcome. And uh, greetings to you then from Falderbrennan. But uh, I, I can tell Anne hasn't actually been there. So if, you, if you're wondering, I can confirm that Falderbrennan hasn't moved. And uh, it's in the same place. It's in southwest Wales, not in north Wales. Um, we, we've just had a, a wonderful, uh, really young people's conference, uh, a national conference in North Wales, uh, just over a week ago, and uh, some of the team were, uh, were leading the ministry there for the week, and that's a Welsh language conference, and they came back so excited, because Wales isn't anything like England in many, many ways, and it certainly isn't anything like England whatsoever in terms of its spiritual life. So uh, whereas you will have Sunday schools, young people's groups and so on in your churches, that's almost unheard of in Wales. So Wales has been in a pretty desperate state. Something like 97% of children and young people in Wales have never ever had any form of church connection in their lives. And this is within the, the land of revivals, as it has been. So that gives us great hope, because it's ripe for another move of God, isn't it? And God is moving, and uh, certainly we're continuing to enjoy the amazing things that God is doing, only more so. And um, let, let me just tell you, how many of you have been to Falderbrennan? Oh, quite a lot of you. Good. Well, it's really lovely to see you. The rest of you, um, don't feel shamed. Just visit in the next two months, okay? Uh, now, there's a warm welcome for you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a young family staying for the weekend. The general pattern at Founder Brennan is that people come from a Monday to Friday and then a Friday to Sunday or Monday. So Friday and Monday are the big changeover days. Well, this family came for the weekend, Friday to late Sunday, I think it was. And as happens with all the really wonderful stories, we weren't there. <laughs> so it was when we came back that, uh, that we heard what had happened. And, and actually, it was before we got to Falderbrennan, because we got a phone call. And the phone call, interestingly, came from our cook saying, got to tell you what's happened, got to tell you what's happened. Okay, what's happened? Well, a young family came, uh, the parents, very early 40s, and uh, a young son, 10 years old. The father, 41 years old, very severe Parkinson's, rigid neck, uh, can't control his arms, his hands, or his body, can't walk, uh, has to be helped on a frame, um, has to be accompanied 24-7, can't do anything whatsoever. And uh, so obviously can't eat, which is what our cook had noticed, because she came into the refectory and saw him being helped, uh, well, being fed. 
And that was on the Friday evening, and she saw him on the Saturday. But on the Sunday lunchtime, she went in, and he was feeding himself quite normally, and turned his red head around to say hello. And she was amazed. And he explained how some of the other guests there had spoken some words over him in the name of Jesus. And then they'd helped him. We have somewhere, those of you who have been there, how many of you visited the High Cross? Oh, lots of you, yeah. There's something about that, that point, isn't there? They took him down to the High Cross. Now, for those of you who uh, haven't been to Feldebrand, this is not a magical thing, okay? But uh, years ago, God spoke to me and said, I want you to erect a high cross there. It wasn't that it was a good idea. Oh, I know. Let's put a, erect a high cross on the land. This was a response to God speaking. And uh, so we erected a cross there. There's a whole story about it. And since it went there, all sorts of things have happened there. Now, it's, it's not just there. It's, it can be anywhere in the grounds, on the hills, in the in the buildings or whatever. But, but it seems to be a particular place of encounter. And um, people helped him, half carried him to the cross. And he spent some moments there and ran back to the center. Okay. Isn't God good? God is just so good. He takes our breath away. So we, we see him continuously doing wonderful and amazing things. We have a, a prayer day, as we call it. We had one on Tuesday. It's a monthly day. It's always the first Tuesday in the month. And I cannot believe that we've already celebrated the April prayer day of this year. Where this year is going, I don't know. We decided at the end of last year that we needed to slow the year right down, and God's done the usual thing that's going even faster. Uh, God is moving so fast, and uh, we had the prayer day, and uh, people come. We don't know who's going to come, but we have between 100 and 250 people turn up from around the world in this remote little place. And uh, right at the beginning, I had a word for someone that they were, they were struggling um, because they were imprisoned in the past. But the specific thing about this was that God had, had spoken and set them free years and years earlier. But they hadn't ever set themselves free. They still spoke judgment. So God said no condemnation over their lives. But they were saying, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And established a solid prison. And, and suffered um, every day of their lives from their own condemnation. And they had lifted their own declaration of who they were above who God said they were. You were mine. You were ransomed. You were healed. You were free. So that was on the Tuesday. On the Wednesday, one of the men came racing up to me. I know who it is. I know who it is. I said, you know who what is? 
do you remember? And at first I couldn't uh, remember, not just because I'm getting older, but um, don't just, well, you can start to pray for my memory if you like. That's not what I mean. There were just so many things going on and uh, reminded me of the word I'd had and how somebody had come uh, on Monday who was suffering from chronic depression and uh, how they were there on the Wednesday morning in our rhythm of prayer with their face shining and their arms up and their hearts speaking through their lips, just unbounded joy. And they turned around and said, I'm free. I'm free. Because God sets us free, doesn't he? Have you noticed how abundant God is? His abundance just stuns me. It staggers me. There was a mention, uh, Anne mentioned, the Azusa Street uh, revival and the celebration that's taking place today. And a guy called Lou Engel is directing that. And about a month ago, a friend of mine, um, uh, I speak every year in his church. He has multiple congregations. Um, they go out of the door and the next congregation come in, thousand at a time. And uh, in the one congregation, he told them that Lou Engel wanted to do something about the Azusa Street revival and celebrate it. But there was nobody financing him. And he said, so I just thought that our offering from this congregation ought to go to bless him so that he can stir people's memory up and tell them this is the anniversary. Let's remember what God did there a uh, hundred years ago. And uh, he said, so we're going to take the, the uh, offering just in this congregation uh, now. And he suddenly felt a real anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said, you know, I think we ought to give really well to bless him. And one person here ought to give a million. So the congregation, wow. Okay. Service came to the end. A 15-minute break for the start of the next one. He was in the vestry, which is nothing like a typical UK vestry in between serv services, okay? Because the, the minister's vestry you have people to wait on you. You have cake sandwiches, coffee, tea, selection of fruit juices. Uh, and it's, it's really quite remarkable. Um, so you can take a breath before you go in and start all over again and again and again. Anyway, about five minutes before the next service was due to start, one of the uh, guys came in and said, uh, Pastor, would you just come with us to the finance office? He said, why? We're not sure what to do with the offering. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, they want you to come. So we went with them wondering what was happening. And they said, we, we've counted. We've counted the offering, okay? A third of a million. He said, what? A third of a million. He said, that's just incredible. And one check for a million. Isn't that incredible? Because God has everything we need. And whether it's finance or love or forgiveness, assurance, 
healing. doesn't matter what it is. His measure, his resources, cannot be quantified in human terms. Their immensity is beyond anything we can begin to ask or understand. Whatever it is that you long for from God, he's able to do it. And he surprises us, doesn't he? Somebody was talking to me um, uh, uh, several weeks ago and uh, from another, another Christian center many of you will know of. And uh, he was saying, of all the things that God is doing with you, if I asked you the story that you like, what's the biggest story? What would you say? And I said, I can tell you straight away. And he was expecting a, a wonderful healing story. And it, it wasn't. He was quite surprised. But we had somebody come from England to stay for a Monday to Friday. He was in his 80s. And um, our style is very laid back. Looking around, we're all pretty well laid back in style, aren't we? Okay? We're relaxed. We're who we are. And uh, relaxed in front of God and with one another. So we're relaxed and informal in style. This gentleman came in, very tall gentleman, in his pinstripe suit, a white shirt and tie. Um, he was a good six feet, elderly gentleman. Everybody would come into the rhythm of prayer and uh, uh, very informally dressed indeed. And he would come in a little bit late in his pinstripe suit. He would always cough so that everybody noticed him. As though he needed to. And he would sit there. And we would go through. So if you can imagine, we have a, a rhythm of prayer at Falder Brennan. It goes on seven days a week. Uh, although the pattern slightly varies at the weekend. But uh, we meet at 9.30 in the morning. And I have midday prayers, and just to fool everybody, that's a quarter to one. And then we have evening prayers at um, 5.30, and then we have night prayers at 9.45. And you'll be there as all of them. And we would go through, so we have worship and the word of God and prayer and so on. And then at the end, typically there'd be a blessing or a song, and that would be it. And he would never share in any way until it was over, and then he would start to pray, just as everybody was about to leave. And his prayers would always begin, Almighty God, we thy dutiful children. And so he would pray. Ah, first time it was a surprise, second time it was repetitive, tenth time it was severely irritating. So we got through to the, uh, <laughs> looking around <laughs> towards the end of the week, looking at people with their heads suddenly in their hands. I, I didn't know whether they were lost in worship or saying, oh God, please deliver me. Um, Friday morning came, okay, morning prayers and people would leave. I knew a lot of people come. And I said to my wife, who sends her greetings and is sorry she can't be here, uh, I said to my wife, I wonder if he left early. No. No. 
he came in, but he wasn't wearing his tie, which was the first. And we went through our, our morning service. Everybody waited. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Bit of a surprise. And, uh, and so we started putting stuff away. I went towards the door and he suddenly grabbed me by the door and said, uh, <laughs> grabbed me by the arm by the door and said, um, can I just tell you what's happened? And I thought, he's run out of milk. <laughs> and I said, of course you can. He said, you know, it was the young people in my church who persuaded me that I should come and visit Valder Brennan. All right. He said, uh, they were desperate that I should come. In fact, they insisted. <laughs> and a very wicked part of me was thinking, well, I wish they hadn't really. And he said, but they had said to me that I must visit the High Cross. He said, I thought, why would I want to visit two pieces of wood nailed together? So I haven't done it. He said, I got to yesterday evening, Thursday evening, and I thought, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow and going back on. On Sunday, the young people are going to say, did you go to the High Cross? He said, I don't want to lie to them. He said, so I suppose I'd better go. He said, so I made a cup of tea. And I enjoyed several cups of tea. And then I thought, well, I suppose I'd better go. So he put his coat on, a great coat. He said, and I set off, dragging my steps, thinking, what a stupid thing to do. And you walk through an avenue of trees. It's very beautiful. And as you come, you come to a five-bar gate. And then over the five-bar gate, the ground rises to a promontory with very, very big drops, beautiful views. And right on the top is the high cross, eight feet high, four feet wide. He said, so I walked through there, and I came to the gate, and I looked, and there in front of me, up on the promontory, was the high cross. And I thought, done it. Don't need to go any further. I can tell them that I went and yes, I did see it. He said, but there was something about looking at it. He said, I leant on the gate and I found my gaze rather fixed on it and I really didn't know why. He said, uh, can you guess? I said, no. He said, don't interrupt. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, but you just asked me a question. I thought, <laughs> I'd better not. He said, and suddenly I was aware of somebody coming up alongside me. And then they leant on the gate as well. And our elbows touched, which I found most distasteful. <laughs> I looked to see who it is. He said, can you guess who it was? And I said, one of the guests, don't interrupt. <laughs> All right, lesson learned. He looks at me, he said, it was Jesus. He said, he looked at me and said, all right. 
He said, I was stuck because I, I knew it was Jesus and I didn't know how you were supposed to speak to him. So I just said, all right. <laughs> and we stood there side by side, leaning on the gate with our elbows touching, staring at the cross. He said, and then Jesus said to me, tell me, what do you remember about what happened on the cross? He said, so I, I told him what I'd heard and Jesus said, hmm, very good. He said, but then he asked me a question that prompted a memory. And I, I told him something else that I remembered. And Jesus said, hmm, very good. And then he asked me another question. He said, do you know, he kept on saying, hmm, very good. And then asking me another question. Until he took me back to when I was four years old in a Sunday school class. And I found myself remembering something that I'd been told so clearly. And Jesus said, hmm, very good. He said, and then something amazing happened. Now that surprised me, because I thought leaning on the gate with your elbow touching Jesus, having a conversation was pretty amazing really. And the fact that he knew and recognized that it was Jesus. I long to ask him all sorts of questions, but I daren't. <laughs> Don't interrupt. He said, he then took visually everything I'd said and turned every individual thing into a jigsaw piece. And he then put them in place so that there was one picture that described what Jesus had done on the cross. And then he said, he turned to me and said, I'm going to place you in the picture. And he took hold of him and placed him within the picture of all that Jesus had done. And then he looked at me and said, oh, do you know what he did then? And I was really stuck because I didn't know whether to answer or not. He said, he reached into me to the core of my being. And when he got to the core of my being, he reached into the core of the core of my being. And do you know what he did then? He switched me on. He made me alive. He said, I'm in my 80s. All my life, I have known that I'm dead. I've lived my life as somebody who has known their dead and has been aware of all the people growing up around me and now the young people around me who are so clearly alive. I have always been dead. Jesus has made me alive. Is that wonderful? He said, I can't get over it. I know now that I'm alive in the same way that I always knew I was dead. Now I know that I'm alive. But you know what really hurts? And I did say, well, what? He said, the fact that my life is about over and I've lived it as someone who is dead. And I said to him, the good news for you is that God has so much more for you. 
that what you have lost at the end of the day will appear so small compared to what you have gained. That's the truth, isn't it? And uh, there's something about seeing him standing there, this transformed man with the light of life in his eyes and the smile of life on his face and the, just the whole sense of this is a new, a new person. That was breathtaking. I love what God does. Well, I could tell you so many stories. Go on. Uh, but I really do want to look at God's word. And um, we're going to look at a few words. You know them well. You really don't need to, to look them up. It won't really help you. But uh, you'll know that it's from Luke 15 and from verse 11. And Jesus is speaking to the people. And we tend to think and call this the parable of the prodigal son. In fact, um, as I'm looking at my Bible here now, there's white space after verse 10, and then it says, the parable of the prodigal son. But of course, those aren't biblical words. Jesus just carried on speaking, and he said, now, there was a man who had two sons. And of all the stories that have ever been told to men or by men, it is thought by people who look at these things that no story told several thousand years later has still puzzled and interested and fascinated so many people. It's a story that, that you simply cannot plumb to the depths. The problem with calling it the parable of the prodigal son, I mean, it jolts our memory, we know what's coming. But Jesus didn't say it was the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son isn't the only person whose story is told within the story. There was a man who had two sons. And I want you to consider the man, the father, for the moment. Let me tell you another quick story on the way through. It was prayer day, and uh, we were uh, slipping out immediately at lunchtime so that I could save my voice a little bit. And a lady who was sitting on the front row, an older lady, stepped forward straight in front of me with a microphone like this, a radio mic, stuck it right in front of me like that and said, hello. And I looked at her and said, hello. She said, pardon? I said, hello. No, she said, you'll have to go louder than that. And I said, what's going on here? Ah, oh, she said, that's a little bit better. I could hear that. I said, pardon? And <laughs> she got long hair, and she pulled it back from her ears, and she'd got the biggest hearing aids I'd ever seen with um, a metal um, antenna on top of each one. 
She said, I have an amount of aided hearing, she said, but I have to get the microphone as near to the person's mouth as possible, and it usually takes a few goes if I haven't heard that particular voice before so that I can tune in to what it's saying. She said, it's nice to be here. I said, well, it's nice to see you. Pardon? I said, it's nice that you're here, nice to say hello to you. Thank you, she said. And I said, in Jesus' name, I bless your hearing. Oh, thank you, she said. That was that. We went off and had lunch. When we came back to start the afternoon session an hour later, she walked up to us as we were walking by and said, hello again. So I said, hello. And she said, don't shout. <laughs> she said, so I said, hello. Did you have a good lunch time? Yes, I did. Really good, thank you. I said, well, that's nice. We're about to start. Hold on a moment, she said. I said, well, we're about to start. Yes, I know. Haven't you noticed anything? I haven't got a microphone. Look, no hearing aids. She said, thank you, you blessed me. I can hear perfectly. Uh, yeah. Yes, thank you, Lord. I used to love the things that God does. His compassion. His care. Particularly when it's totally unexpected. Just because I've mentioned hearing, okay. Um, a couple were about to leave to catch the ferry back to Ireland. Okay, the ferry is eight miles away from Feldbrennan. And um, somebody came to see me and said, such and such a couple are about to leave, but he's in a little bit of a state. I think they said he's in a bit of a paddy, which is quite funny since they're from Ireland. Uh, so I went to see what was going on. What's going on? Oh, I don't know what to do. I've lost my hearing aids. I said, have you? He said, I've, I've hunted high and low, haven't I? And his wife said, yeah, that's right. I said, where have you been this morning? Well, we've been to the chapel. Uh, other than that, we were in our room getting ready to, to go. Okay, and I said to his wife, have you checked as well? Because I know what us men are like. Yeah, she said, I've hunted absolutely everywhere. There's no sign of them. We've got to get the, get the, the ferry. And I said, well, how are you going to cope? And he said, well, I don't know, because I can't hear a thing without them. You get the drift. <laughs> I did gradually quieten my voice until I was whispering. And why are you whispering? You can't hear a thing without your hearing aids. Nothing, he said. So we let him go. <laughs> Very excited now. His wife is most excited. Because she's not deafened when he puts the uh, television on anymore. Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. Now, you know the story. And the younger one comes along and says, Father, give me my inheritance now. Not when you die, but right now. And the father could easily have said, no. Sorry, sorry, son. That's not how it's going to work. And I'm really not happy with your maturity. 
I think you have a way to go before we can have this conversation. No. The father says, that's what you want to do. I'll allow you to do it. Now, if you had perhaps had a business and worked hard over the years and, and built up an estate, and then your youngest son came along and said, actually, I want half of everything, please, and I want it today. How would you respond? Are you mad? Okay. I'll let you go. And I will let you have what you want. And so the son takes it and goes. And what is the father doing? He is desperate for his son to come back. Desperate. What's he doing with his time? He's looking for any sign of his son coming back. He is desperate. Locked in grief. Until his son comes back. That's quite a father, isn't it? And of course, Jesus is using stories to, to talk of, of what his father is like. This is what our father is like. That he has wealth, he has riches. There is an inheritance for us. And, and we can choose to grab what we want and go and get it wrong, drift into the wrong company, wallow amongst the pigs, get smelly in sin. And what is the father doing? Crying out with all he has, come home, come home, come back. And we think God doesn't care, God doesn't care about what we're in, what we've fallen into, what's happening to us, what happened to us. He's an absent God, and yet there is God saying, turn towards me, turn towards me. And then what happens? He sees the sign that looks like his son. Eventually, he's had to wait for a long time. Eventually, coming over the horizon, that looks like it. And he's been so desperate for so long that he can't control his compassion and his joy. And whilst the son is taking one slow step after the other, the father is running with all his might to grab him, to hug him, 
to love him, to restore him. That's what he's like. And as you know the story, how he sweeps aside the servant's verdict of himself, which appears to us to be a very fair and self-realistic verdict, sweeps it aside because of love. It doesn't matter. You're my son. You were lost. You're found. I've been waiting for you all this long, dark, difficult, painful time. I've been waiting for you. Waiting for the moment when I could run and get you and bring you home. Another prayer day. Things don't just happen on prayer days. Another prayer day. And uh, <coughs> a young lady came up to us at lunch break again. And uh, Daphne, my wife, had just shared something quite briefly during the morning. This young woman came up and said, uh, I'm so-and-so, I arrived yesterday, I'm here Monday to Friday. Um, and I came because I wanted to come to the prayer day. And um, I've been deaf in my left ear. As you were speaking, it popped, and I can hear. And we both said, well, that's really great, wonderful. But we didn't know whether it had been a bit of a wax thing or she got a cold or what it was. We just said, that's great, that's wonderful. So she was there in the afternoon as well. The next day, middle of the day, after midday prayers, I think it was, she came up and said, um, can I just tell you what's going on? And we said, yeah. And she just moved her hair a little bit, and she got a big depression in her head. She said, um, I, I suffered blunt force trauma to my head. And it was because of, oh, on that side. And because of that, um, I lost my hearing. I had many operations. And very, very weak on the other side of my uh, my body. She said, but the strange thing is, since I've been here, I feel as though I'm getting a bit stronger. And we said, well, that's really great. On the Thursday morning, after morning prayer, she came up and said, there's more. And we said, oh, this sounds pretty good. She said, I feel as though my balance is sort of okay, and, and my body can sort of stand straight and and I feel much more in control of my right hand and my right foot. Well, we bless what God is doing for you then. That's great. Father, thank you. Please keep doing it. And then we said to her, in Jesus' name, we bless you to keep receiving what God is doing. Thursday evening, a glorious sunny day. Really hot. Awful lot of people. Uh, in evening prayers in our meeting room. And when it was over, we all piled out into the sunshine and fresh air in the courtyard. Everybody talking, birds singing, gentle breeze, really hot. 
And um, this young woman came up uh, and said, can I tell you what's happened now? Yeah. And I heard people start to go quiet. She said, well, when I woke this morning, she said, I've had 11 operations on my head. The, the bone won't, won't grow. They've told me there's nothing more they could do uh, medically. She said, but when I woke up this morning, I got a new sensation in my head. She said it was burning and it was tingling. I'd never had anything like that. And I thought, oh no, what's going on now? She said, so I put my head on the depression. Yeah. But look, there is no depression. She said, it's just solid bone. It's, it's just healed. And I said, that's fantastic, isn't it? And everybody was sort of leaning in going, yes. And then she said, but it's not very important, is it? I said, pardon? She said, well, none of it's very important, is it? I said, dare I ask, what do you mean? She said, well, none of that's very important compared to the, to the bigger thing. <laughs> There's a bigger thing? Oh, I haven't told you, have I? No, what's the bigger thing? She said, well, she said, after night prayers last night, the Lord just came to me and God revealed himself to me. I said, that's wonderful. We have lots of people say that. I said, that's wonderful. She said, yeah, but the thing is, he isn't anything like I thought he is. Really? No. I said, what do you mean? She said, he's lovely. <laughs> yeah. She said, he's not angry. No. He's not bad-tempered. No. He's not violent. No. He's loving, yeah. He's gentle, yeah. He doesn't want to abuse you, which I thought was an interesting thing to say. No, he never, ever wants to abuse you. He just exalts you and lifts you up. She said, I was amazed. So I ditched the old God. And said, I'll have this one, please. <laughs> I said, that's wonderful. But there's more. Uh, really? Ta I tell you, it, I am sure that the birds have stopped singing and we're listening. <laughs> What's the more? When he showed me who he is, he showed me who I am. And I'm not who I thought I was. And I'm not who everyone has told me I am all my life. This was a, a young woman who'd grown up, uh, mixed color, very mixed background, poor area, despised because of her background, her obvious racial um, influences and so on. I am not. 
I says, so how do you know that you're not? Because God showed me who I am. He told me who I am. And I ditched the old me. And said, I'll be the new me. Thank you very much. She says, so I am grateful for all this other stuff. It's wonderful, she said, but what he's done inside me is so much more wonderful. There was a father who had a daughter. And the daughter was lost in misunderstandings of who the father was, what he was like. She was lost in the lies and fabrications, stories of the past, her personal history. But the father came. She came to her senses. She opened her eyes. The father showed her who he is, but showed her who she is as well. And she isn't anything like she had always thought she was. Now, in the story, of course, the father throws a party which really gets up the nose of the older son. Remember? The father has two sons. Why does he throw the party? He says why. Uh, he's asked to justify his action by his other son. <laughs> How can I not rejoice? My, my son was lost, now he's found. Ah, he's come home. The joy, the relief... Oh, it was as though he was dead, but he's alive. He's come home. That's what he does for you and me. Doesn't matter what a mess we've made, how far we've turned, how we've fallen into the stories that the enemy has brought along to damage and ruin and spoil our lives. Doesn't matter how far we've drifted away and found ourselves in smelly company. He's waiting just that one step. And he runs. And he throws a party. Because he is full of joy. But there was another son, wasn't there? And the son really is unhappy about this. The, the older son has had to carry the heat of the day. He's had to carry the burden of running the estate while the younger son goes off and plays. And he turns on the father and said, all the stuff I've done, I've never questioned you. I've just been here. It, it's like the child of God, who knows he's a child of God, is orthodox, is obedient who has a, a mindset to follow God and to obey him, and yet who is utterly lifeless, who doesn't understand that the heart of the relationship is about joy. We are invited to come into joy, and the poor son has been there. And the father turns to, the, to that son and says, Everything that you need for the party has always been here. 
You could have celebrated in joy any time you liked. It isn't my fault that you were living without joy. Actually, you simply didn't do it. Ah, there's a father. A story about a father who gives us freedom, who spoils us, who gives us sufficient for life and lets us walk away. He allows us that freedom. And yet, even as we take that first step, he goes into grief over us. longs and waits for that moment when we come back and then is overwhelmed with joy. There is a father who looks at his children and says, where's your joy? Why aren't you centered in joy? Why aren't you living in joy? Because that's what I've won for you, the ability to live in joyful relationship with me and in joyful relationship to one another. Often tell the story, in morning prayers, we, we sing every day. I, I tell people, uh, we're, we're going to sing our wake-up call. This is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it. And, and we were saying this at the start of the day. Uh, it's, a ch it's a choice, isn't it? I will rejoice. That's how I'm going to live. Rejoicing. I choose to step into joy and live my life and be poured out through joy. And we had a bishop with us visiting. And I suddenly noticed him leaning forward and looking around slowly like this. And I wondered what he was doing. What he was doing, he was looking at everybody and trying to work out whether they actually meant it. I will rejoice. Well, we're coming towards the, uh, the, the end of our first session. So I want to ask you how you're doing on the joystakes. It'd be funny, wouldn't it, if there was somebody here called Joystakes? <laughs> how are you doing on the joystakes? Okay. Scale of one to ten, ten is high. Where are you then, day by day? Joy isn't the same as happiness, is it? Happiness is to do with events. The things we do, the places we go to, the people we see who make us happy. But joy is a well that God has put within us. So that even in the midst of the most horrific circumstances, the joy can well up. Sing to the well. Rise up. Sing to the well within your heart. Rise up, O well. Rise up, O well. Remember, it's in the Old Testament. Rise up, O well. Speaks of the, the, the pouring out of water. A supply for God's people in the wilderness.
He's put that within us. Rise up and well. Come on. Let's let the joy flow. So how are you doing with the Father who gives you such freedom, such choice, and allows you to walk away and yet is absolutely overwhelmed with God-sized grief, waiting for the slightest turn that he may run and get you and embrace you and make it okay, restore you impossibly, outrageously, heal your wounds, reclothe you in righteousness. How are you doing with knowing who you are? Have things that have happened to you determined today? Is your past deciding who you are today and who you're going to be tomorrow? Are, they, are the words, the verdicts that people or the enemy has spoken over your life, do they determine who you are today and tomorrow? Or actually is it the truth that your loving Father speaks over you that determines who you are today? And tomorrow, a new start, a new day, again and again and again. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are willing to allow your son to come and live and walk amongst men to show us who you are, to show us the truth, to be the truth. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that in showing us the Father, you show us who we are as well. Who we are made to be. Who we can be. And I thank you for that cry that you issued. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Father, I thank you that your heart is still for your children. I thank you that what is spoken as your word of life over us is truth. Ransomed. Healed. Restored. Forgiven. I'm going to just pray now and I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. Um, what I'd like us to do is all pray aloud, if you'd follow me, um, because I don't really want to, um, to 
to make anyone obvious who really wants to pray this. Okay? If we all pray it aloud. But if you find anything is too uncomfortable to pray, please don't worry about it. Nobody's going to notice. Just just don't pray. Okay. But this is it. If you would like to know, this is really a new day, a new start, walking in truth, not just of who God is, but of who you are as well. If you don't want to be determined by yesterday, but be determined today by Jesus instead, you can pray this prayer along with me. Okay? So this is how we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I thank you that by his blood, I can be washed clean. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God. I bring my past to you, Lord Jesus. With its weaknesses, its failures, its disasters, its sins. And I lay all this before you now. And I ask you to forgive me this moment. And to wash me clean. I bring to you the events of my life. The personal history that has hurt me. And I lay it down before you. That you may take it away. I bring the words that have been spoken over me. that have hurt me, that have stuck like barbs in my heart. And I renounce them in your name. Lord Jesus, I renounce verdicts that have been spoken over my life by others, by the world, by the enemy and by myself. I renounce them in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, will you give me a new start this moment? I choose to put my trust in you. I refuse to allow today to be governed by yesterday. But I choose to allow today to be a new start governed by you. And I choose your love to wash over my life I choose your grace to give what I don't deserve. 
I choose to believe what you say. That I am your child. That I am loved. That I am a member of your family. That your spirit is within me. And that I may receive a kingdom that will never be shaken. Thank you, Father. Amen.